near the end, I was not having as much fun or I didn't feel like I was making as much of a difference. So that was the whole thing with me working at the group home was either you are making a difference or you're having fun. Uh, if you can do both, that's great. But at least if you have one of those, it makes it worthwhile. Cliff Pratt has worked at Mountain Equipment Company for the past 16 years. A general outdoor enthusiast, his go-to activities are primarily water-based. Continue listening to hear about how he manages his offset 9 to 5 schedule, working from 10 in the morning to 7 at night. Working in the back offices compares to being on the retail floor, and his experiences working in a youth care home. My name is Alex McLean, and welcome to the 41st Hour. Yeah. So, yeah, I brought my camera to Dover. Um, I think I took like two or three shots of my camera and then just used my phone because yeah. yeah, it's just so much better. Like if you have time to set up your tripod, frame something up, and you're waiting for something, then yeah, set up the SLR and stuff like that. But if it's just your, just like on the fly, like oh that's sick, click click yeah. click, just pop and it, it up on your, your phone. Chest pocket and yeah, it fit my PFD. It was yeah. mostly waterproof, so I didn't have to worry about it if it got splashed. One guy brought a full kit with uh, in a Pelican case and he took it out maybe twice on the river because most times we were actually just like getting poured on by rain yeah yeah or we're going through rapids and you're not going to take it out during the rapids because you're, you're working your ass off so you <laughs> yeah. don't like die <laughs> it's the last thought you want to yeah. go through yeah cool so yeah we'll get started um here with cliff pratt um thanks for taking the time i know you just got off work but uh, good. yeah i appreciate it. even uh doing the photos in the store that was fun and it was definitely fun. A cool environment instead of this mess of a living room that we're sitting in. I don't know what you're talking about. The place is immaculate. <laughs> Nobody has to know. So, um, yeah, can you kind of introduce yourself? Tell us what you do for work, uh, what your outdoor hobbies are, and we'll kind of run from there. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I work at a Mountain Equipment Company. Uh, still hard to say sometimes, <laughs> as I've been calling Mountain Equipment Co-op for probably the better part of 13 years, and now, now they're a company for about two years now, and so... Uh, I've been with them for a total of 16 years, coming up in November. And uh, okay. so, yeah, I wasn't planning on becoming a lifer at <laughs> MEC, but uh, they kept paying me more and uh, they haven't fired me, so <laughs> I stuck it out. But um, the great thing about the job is that you get access to lots of fun toys to play with, all the different accessories for various activities. So um, I went into the job with a camping background and a whitewater canoeing background. And then from there, it just broadened out to cross-country skiing, snowboarding, sea kayaking, whitewater kayaking, like kind of everything. And then and stand-up paddleboards. So like, yeah, lots of fun toys. And it's great. They, That's kind of why I stuck it out. And I get to sell that stuff to people who are doing the same things I like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to think about what I would do the photos of you as. And definitely... Uh, water sports jump to mind, but like like you said, you do cross country skiing and climbing, and yeah. at one I point you were climbing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think you mentioned you were training for a marathon at one point, so you're kind of dabbling in a lot of stuff. That was a while ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a distance runner. I'm way too big. <laughs> True, yeah, hard on the knees, hard on the knees, and um, everything else. But yeah, so you said you you've been at Mech for it'll be 16 years in November. 16 years November, yeah. Um. I know you you said the pay like kept paying you more, so you stuck around. But what actually, or not actually, but like, what are some <laughs> other things that played into working at Mech that made it uh, 
enjoyable to, to stay there for that long. Definitely. Yeah. It definitely wasn't the pay. Like, <laughs> like I'm at a point, comfortable point now, uh, cause I've been there for so long, but I do know it's, it's hard for some staff to make a living starting out in retail like that. But, um, yeah, when I first started out with the co-op, they used to do things called uh, paid to play. Okay. And so what they would actually do is they would pay your, your hourly wage while you go on little adventures. So it'd be go skiing, cross country skiing for the day, or go learn how to telemark ski for the day, mm-hmm. or go climbing for the day. And just chances to do these various activities on their dime. And it was a great way for staff to get experience doing various activities and become more knowledgeable mm-hmm. with the gear and stuff like that. Um, that didn't carry on as the years of the co-op as it matured and stuff like that and kind of went through some changes. So those little perks kind of went away, but I was already there for so long that I became, became the person that got to take people out and mm. do these the field courses and field experiences. Uh, they weren't considered paid time for the staff taking it, but it was still a great opportunity to get our staff out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and like, there's been so many things with uh, with the MEC over the years. Like we used to run races, trail running races, bike rides, um, various clinics, and stuff like that. And so those are all just fun things to break up your day. Like if it was if it was just straight retail the whole time, I think it would have been hard to keep interest. Mm-hmm. Um, aside for the fact that um, it is fun stuff to sell. So when you have people come in getting ready to go on an adventure and they're like oh what are you up to and they're like oh i'm gonna do this i'm like sick let's get you geared up have you tried these have you looked at these have you looked at this this is a great option try these two things and just give them like lots of options to pick what's best for them mm-hmm. and i think that's what i always appreciate about that kind of retail is that uh, it wasn't pushy we weren't on commission and things like that and you could say here's my suggestions which feel which feels more comfortable or which is in your budget go from there yeah so I don't know. I think it was probably a long-winded answer, but oh no, I'm all about the long-winded <laughs> answers. I love going on the the, the little tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I imagine you have quite a few uh, customers who uh, who come in and mention trips. Have have any of them ever inspired you? And you'd be like, oh, I'm doing that next time I, I get time off. Um, I think I heard about places um, like before I went to Kamaraska to go climbing one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard from other people coming in the store and like hey i'm going to this place and i'm like sick that sounds really awesome and i looked it up and saw the pictures and it was beautiful and uh, me and some friends had actually planned a trip to go to uh ottawa to go white water paddling and we decided well let's bring our climbing gear and on the way back through mm. we stopped and climbed as well and so that was a, a kind of a cool thing where we got to i heard from other people in the store like there's a cool thing um various rivers and uh play place to go like paddling and explore uh a lot of times people will come and at, like ask for me like hey where's a good place to go do this um sometimes i have the answer and sometimes i just feed off of what other people told me so there's so many great spaces to check out it's hard to do it all yeah so sometimes you have to rely on secondhand knowledge like well i heard this is a great spot so <laughs> why don't you go and let me know and if it is maybe i'll definitely put it at the top of my list yeah cool um and you've been there f- again like you said you've been at mech for a while uh I think just chatting, you mentioned that you have six weeks vacation. Yeah, so they do a pretty sweet little setup where um, I think, if I remember the, the numbers right, when you first started working, it's two weeks automatic. Yeah. And then after you complete your first year, it's kind of like they bump you up to three weeks. Okay. Which is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and then I think after each five years after that, you get 
another week of vacation. Okay. So being there for as long as I have, it's I've gotten up to the the six week mark, and so if I'm if I make it to twenty years, <laughs> um, then that'll be I think I get another week of vacation after that, and then I think that's where they kind of <laughs> cap it off. Yeah. Okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, lots of vacation time um, until just a few years ago. I never really took all of it for the most part. Really? Well, yeah, just um, not just not having enough time to funds as well to go and mm. do some activities and things like that i'll take a couple of days here and there and do little short little trips i think the first time i took it all was actually to go home and renovate my late grandmother's house that was like when i took quite the like, vacation yeah i know <laughs> it was not like exactly what i planned but the plan for that was renovate a house and then do a week-long uh, canoe trip uh, after that and then i had some uh, frisbee obligations that i was uh, getting ready for as well mm. yeah i forgot you're pretty into the kind of like the recreational sports too not just the outdoor like the or organized recreational i should say mostly just for um ultimate frisbee okay yeah it's such an amazing community here and it um it's great because like in the winter time fall and winter we start playing games later in the evening because they're all indoors mm-hmm. and the early time slots are kind of reserved for the younger uh, kids that were still in school and then us adults we play at like nine ten o'clock at night yeah um, which for me doesn't bother me because i'm a night owl and i usually don't work until 11 o'clock the next morning anyway so <laughs> i'm fine but i know a lot of my people i play with they are uh, grumpy about the 10 o'clock time slots yeah yeah do you find the uh because your, your schedule like you said you start at 11 finish at seven usually um how do you find the schedule being offset from the typical nine to five or like say your your teammates and stuff or other friends or whoever other friends well, yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit annoying. Like I have some paddling friends that they do a, a 7 to 3 or an 8 to 4 shift. And so they can actually leave right after work and make it out to, if there's like a swell in, they can take the mm-hmm. whitewater boats and go play in the ocean surf. But if uh, I'm working till, even if I'm working till 5, dealing with rush hour traffic by the time you get out there, yeah. it's, it's just like, it's not worth sitting in traffic. I think sitting in bumper to bumper traffic is one of my biggest pet peeves and frustrations of all time so yeah <laughs> anytime i have to be at work for eight or nine o'clock in the morning my commute doubles yeah so that's kind of a nice thing where i'm 23 25 kilometers out of the city not having to deal with rush hour traffic is a godsend it's mm-hmm. so much easier because i can literally just drive straight through and i'm just dealing with traffic lights instead of bumper bumper traffic yeah yeah but i think tuesday i had to come in for we had a pk coming in a pk a rep coming to do a pk with us um, that's a prog knowledge. So they okay. come and talk about their gear um, to our staff. And so I had to be there to welcome them and get donuts for the staff and do <laughs> things like this and get everything ready um, to be there for 8.30. I was stuck in traffic from bumper to bumper at the start of um, the Bay Road where it hits uh, Prospect Road yeah. all the way into uh, the rotary. And then Quinpool was backed up too. And I was like, uh, it was horrible. But yeah. luckily the rep was also in the same traffic. And he oh. messaged me. He's like, hey, I'm stuck on the Bay Road. I'm like, me too. <laughs> like, I can see you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Race you. Yeah. I had to go to, to Bears Lake uh, to do some f- the photos for Adam's podcast mm-hmm. the other week in the morning. Um, and just living on the peninsula, I just walked to work and I didn't realize how much traffic. I wasn't late, but I was just, it definitely made me uh, more comfortable with my decision to live on the peninsula. Yeah. Because like you do move outside the city and rent gets cheaper and whatnot. But I think. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to deal with dump bumper to bumper every morning, every evening. It's no. just not worth it for me. Um, 
so yeah, we're kind of jumping all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's kind of the nature of this for the time being. Um, there's just so many avenues you can dive down. Yeah. Um, but back to vacation, mm-hmm. how do you spend your six weeks off when you do take it? Um, well, this year I took, um, this summer I took three weeks and did a pretty epic canoe trip up in northern Quebec and part of Labrador. And so we paddled, uh, we traveled up to Lab City in Labrador and we canoed all the way down from, it's called Fairmont, through the Pecans River and then jumped onto the Moise River and that took that all the way down to uh, Septil. And it was a total of like 375 kilometers. Okay. Lots of white water, um, things like that. So it was two weeks on the river and a couple of days travel there and back. And we did everything from taking the, we drove, hopped on a ferry, and then put all our stuff on a train and trained up north and then paddled down and reconnected with our vehicles and drove home. So that was like a fun-ish three weeks. It was a bit of a suffer fest in some situations, <laughs> uh, but we had a great team. We had like 10 people, uh, five from New Brunswick, five from Nova Scotia wide range of ages i think we had as, as young as 26 and as old as i think 58 or something like that or okay, 60 cool. so like we were pretty diverse group in that sense yeah that's interesting yeah. that it's uh accessible to a variety of ages and accessible yeah it's a, it was a definitely a challenge um we even myself at my age i was very happy to have some of those younger guys there <laughs> who were just super fast on the portages. They'd be almost running with a canoe on their back. And I'm like, cool, thanks. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. If you want to take my canoe, I will just keep taking these smaller bags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we had some long portages. Some were like 1.4 kilometers over. Okay. And some of them were like literally you're bouldering. You're carrying your canoe and you have a hand on a rock and high stepping and like trying to make it up these big boulders because that's the portage. Yeah, There's yeah. no way around these giant rocks. And so... <laughs> So there's definitely a couple like tricky maneuvers with a 90 pound canoe on your head. Yeah, definitely. Did you find that, like you mentioned the younger canoers, uh, they're able to carry the canoes kind of like the more physical side of things. How did the, the other end of the spectrum, the older folks, uh, were they able to contribute in a special way to their, a lot of expertise. And I'm not saying that the old, us older people, (laughs) I hate that I'm including that older group, but anyways, uh, that they weren't contributing or able to carry, like we all carried our boats and stuff like that. Um, it's just sometimes people were a little faster Mm -hmm. and sometimes we didn't ask them to, but they would just like grab stuff. Yeah, just do it. Like you're just grabbing everybody's bags, really. Like you take your own, but then you also take other people's bags. And we had some medical things in the team that, um, made some people need a bit more assistance mm-hmm. um, carrying stuff. So make it their loads a bit lighter. We would carry some of their bags. Um, people who were carrying more heavy stuff more frequently were getting burnt out. And so we were like tagging them off like, here, now let me take your stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of teamwork and a lot of helping out. Um, but as for like the older, more mature people, um, they had a bit of a calmness about them through the rapids. And so like they're... They've done lots of rapids, lots of um, harder paddles and stuff like that. And so you see them going down and they're going through rapids and they just, they almost looks like they're reclining and just like <laughs> leaning on their paddle, doing some like prize and like just steering their boat and just going through the rapids, very calm and casual. And, and then you see some of the younger people who are just like wide eyed, like, like just giving her like, let's go, come on, paddle harder. And like, it's almost like nice to have that balance of like, calm down, but have fun yeah yeah so, definitely yeah so some of the i guess we everybody kind of contributed in many different ways mm-hmm. uh, and things like that yeah now when you said the young guys were uh carrying the canoes and doing more physical jobs 
I asked that question because <laughs> I went shearing with uh, or sheep shearing with mom. So it been a couple of years ago, and I just remember like the conditions where the sheep hadn't been shorn in two years. So they had extra wool, and then just the layout of the barn wasn't great. And so, kind of similarly, mom has the expertise to kind of like I would get the sheep and drag them through or like over the this there's like an 18 inch concrete thing in the mm-hmm. way. And either deliver them to mom and she would shear them or I would shear them and then she would like guide me through and teach me. So it's interesting to see it kind of transcends across different different things, the the expertise versus the the young bucks. Yeah, the, br- the people can like just muscle their way through things. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a friend who would watch me shear and then watch mom shear and just say like the contrast. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's almost like More I would finesse. wrestle with the sheep. Yeah, and mom would dance with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I had another question related to, to that, but, um, again, we're going to go all over the place. Do it up. What That's what does... post-production is for, right? <laughs> uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't do that like post-production, but, um, so back to working at Mac, what does a, an average day at work look like for you? Imagine, actually, I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you explain yeah, to me. <laughs> no, like, um, well, it depends. Like actually for the past month, I took on an intern position as a department manager, so that definitely changed up my my daily routine and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but before that, I'm just a floor staff, and that's all I did. Like I would just work the floor, help people with everything. But I had experience in different areas, so I could work cash, I could work repairs, I could work in the bike shop. Um, so wherever I was needed, so I was kind of like either manager on duty, where I can jump around to put out fires where they're needed, mm-hmm. and deal with you know members who are not happy with something. Um, I would go in. and help take care of those situations or give final say on something like a warranty or if there's mm-hmm. like somebody's looking for a warranty that isn't actually a warranty, but little things like that happen. So sometimes uh, you have those tricky conversations. Um, but for most part, I would show up, start working on the floor and just help uh, members with shopping. If they don't, if there's nobody in the store, then we start cleaning up and tidying up and making, mm-hmm. setting up displays or just, making sure we have product on the floor for members to buy. If we don't have product, we look at the warehouse to see if we do have it, try and get it ordered in, little things like that. Since I've taken on the interim department manager job, um, there's been a bit more back office work, um, looking at reports, figuring out what's selling well, what needs to be bumped up for numbers. Mm -hmm. Again, just trying to find product. Um, Being in the East Coast, we don't always get first dibs and all the fun stuff. (laughs) Joys of... uh, being so far away from our head office, but, uh, but luckily they do listen to us when we ask, but sometimes we just have to ask. Mm-hmm. And so we got to find out what we need to ask for and what our members looking for, what are we missing in our assortment and bring stuff like that. So, um, it's been a bit of a mix of like being on the floor, walking around, making sure everybody's, everybody's happy, the staff are happy and members are happy. Um, and then being in the back office, taking care of like logistical stuff, paperwork, um, things like that. And then also before that I was the store learning assistant. So that would mean that I was in charge of training new staff. So if we had a new group of, uh, st- staff coming in to, uh, learn about the stuff, we would actually run them through a fairly lengthy training process. Um, we try and break it up into a couple days here and there instead of what we used to do back in my day when I started was two full weeks of just product Ooh. training. <laughs> Because that's what people come to the store for is like they want to know that the people that they're that are helping them mm-hmm. actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. And so not everybody comes into the store with a, like a guiding background or like a, 
semi-pro climbers something like that mm-hmm. like people dabble and then or maybe they're really awesome like there's lots of degrees of staffing uh, but we try and train them up so they can talk about what we have in the floor and if they don't know the answers then we train them to ask other people to do and then mm-hmm. stick around and listen to the answers and so they can learn to answer the questions later on okay but yeah it's a long it's like two full weeks if uh if we do both floors upstairs and downstairs now we try and do just upstairs to start after a little while we get them trained downstairs as well mm-hmm. downstairs tend to be a bit more technical with there's more hard goods yeah like with different camp stoves filters skis bikes boats all that jazz yeah, I guess the only other hard goods that aren't would be the climbing gear. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, and with climbing, a lot of the stuff that we're selling is kind of the shoes. That's mm-hmm. the, we have such a bouldering community here. So yeah. we sell a lot of shoes. Um, and then it's chalk and chalk bang, stuff like that. But if there's the occasional person coming in to get a harness and stuff like that, most times they climbers know what they are looking for if they've been climbing for a while. Yeah. And they just need help finding the product if it's not on the floor mm-hmm. maybe it's out back or maybe they need to order it and that's where we can help them out and stuff for so they don't need necessarily a, a proc specialist to come in and explain what the difference between these two slings are or uh, the ropes and the different thicknesses and dry versus non-dry like yeah yeah so one thing you mentioned is as interim department manager is you kind of see what people are looking for i have noticed at least the climbing gear there is more, for example, ice climbing tools or just gear in general. Like there's yeah. screws, there's uh, uh, ice climbing tools as opposed to just mountaineering axes. How do you, do you just keep your ear open for what's going on in the community or is there an official way for people to request stuff? I don't know if that's the right. Yeah. Well, so people don't normally like request, but like we listen to comments when people, so when you buy something at the store, if your email set up, they'll send you an email be like, Hey. How did we do today? Mm. Were we missing anything? And things like that. That's where we can get feedback from the communities. Be like, we're, I was looking for this and you didn't have any. Or um, or if they weren't happy with the service or if they were happy with the service. Hopefully they say they're happy <laughs> with the service and actually make a comment. Um, but it's 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 actually nice to see when we do get those comments. They're like, I had a great time with Cliff. He really helped me figure this out. I'm like, that's what I like to see. Yeah. Um, but not not always the people that are happy with their service answers those questions. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's, I'm going to talk to my, when we had the rate your professor surveys, mm. you used to, you tended to rate or answer the survey for the professors you didn't like, but not necessarily the ones you did. But yeah. I think it's just kind of human nature to complain a little bit. Yeah. You're like, Oh, I need to correct them. Yeah. Um, but they're doing a good job. So I don't have to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. But, that yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, just being in the community, like, um, like I try and dabble in a little bit of everything. So like, I, I know people in the climbing community, know people in the paddling community, know people in skiing and all that. Like I try and jump around, but I'm not even close to being an expert in any of those fields. Mm-hmm. Probably the closest thing I'd be comfortable claiming expertise would be in paddling, mm-hmm. sea kayaking, whitewater and stuff like that. Like I've put a lot of time and effort into that. Um, whereas I just, I like to climb and I enjoy climbing, but I'm not crushing high grade climbs. <laughs> I am not, uh, you know, doing anything crazy cool. I'm just getting out there and having a good time. Yeah. Uh, so that's being involved in those communities. People talk to you and ironically, a lot of it happens over Facebook. I'll have friends <laughs> message me on Facebook. Hey Cliff, do you guys have this in stock? I'm like, 
not at work right now, but <laughs> I can check when I can work. Or you could check the website. Or yeah. you could check, uh, call the store. Uh, but I get it. They they want to talk to me, but they also want to like figure out what they can mm-hmm. buy. So how do you establish that uh, divide between work and play? Because it seems like they are very closely meshed together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously working at Mech and all these hobbies you mentioned. And yeah, friends messaging you out of hours if you have something <laughs> in stock. Even if you... Yeah, how do you how do you balance that? Uh, balance is a good word. I guess it depends on who the person is. If it was like somebody that I I like and I'm really close with, and then I have no problems going above and beyond to mm-hmm. help them find stuff. If it's an acquaintance that I have talked to a couple times at the store and they've added me to Facebook or Instagram, I'm polite and stuff like that, and I'll be a little bit more like curt with mm-hmm. them, like sort of like da 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 da. Here's the things. Um, and then I'll be like, if you can wait till I'm there, I can check it out for you type thing. But if not do this, so I don't get into lengthy conversations with people unless I'm truly close to them and, or just like them. Yeah. Do you find, how do you find the different, uh, gear slash sports influence your, uh, interaction with the person? Do you get stoked on some things and then you you have to cut yourself off maybe i don't know like yeah that can i can see that happening for sure i'm just super excited about like if it's something very niche mm-hmm. and there's not many people into it like whitewater paddling in nova scotia is a very small community okay yeah. and like we've got some great rivers very weather dependent like mm-hmm. we've had nothing for the past two months because we haven't really had rain yeah but luckily hurricanes come in and hopefully it's <laughs> going to flood the rivers back up and but usually you have to wait till winter or spring. Okay. But yeah, so if somebody comes in and they're like, um, like one of my new friends, Ashley, she came in the store looking for a plug for her white water boat. And I was just kind of walking by her talking to another staff and it was kind of like a stop and turn around. And like you said, white water, what are you looking for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause I knew the staff that was talking to her originally was like, didn't know about all the little tiny things we have out back in our mm-hmm. back stock that, we don't put it in the floor because there's no real space to put it in. So anyways, I was like, I can probably help you with that. And then just from that, I was like, started a conversation of like, I'm in Whitewater too. Um, here's the community. There, She was new to the area. So it was like, here, go to this Facebook group. You'll meet lots of other paddlers, get you a paddling and things like that. And so that gets me excited and of like, cool you want to do this really niche thing here same as like ice climbing like mm. the ice climbing community is pretty small here too but if somebody like if one of my staff is like i want to try ice climbing like heck yeah let's do this like yeah let's we go. got we have gear in our gear closet at mech for our staff to go out and try ice climbing. Ah. that's how i started trying for the first time was we had telly boots crampons and uh old uh, petzl cork axes and stuff like that yeah and i was like sick all right let's go play and so i went uh with one of the other staff who've done it a bunch of times. And then I went to a climb Nova Scotia ice fest. Yeah. I went to a couple of those. And then after I think my first ice fest, I was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to buy my own mountaineering boots. Cause mm. I hate walking around in telly boots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I bought my mountaineering boots and then slowly bought, uh, I got crampons and then axes actually, well, we have that <laughs> uh, with the axes there. So like buying those axes and stuff are pretty sweet. Yeah. 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 I forgot. Cause, uh, well, you know Avi, but my old climbing partner Avi, he yeah. used to take advantage of that gear rental for for employees, and totally, uh, it yeah. seems like such a good perk for. And mm-hmm. it seems kind of like a win win because 
like you said, it's, it's almost training for the employees to, to learn the gear and, and make yeah. recommendations. Um, but yeah, ice climbing, whitewater rafting, a whole bunch of things. How do you decide what you're going to do in your time off? Well, a lot of it is weather dependent, right? So if the rivers are big or are up, then definitely we're going to go out and hit the rivers when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so last winter was actually pretty good. Like we were able to get out almost every weekend and, uh, find a new rapid to go explore and or go to the old faithfuls and if they're in flood then they're just that much more exciting Mm -hmm. and taking new people out and so like the more experienced people try to be accommodating take new people out and just you just know that somebody's going to swim and you're going to have to fish their boat out of the water (laughs) and fish them out of the water and get them to shore and get them back in their boat and um you know we always give like a couple swims are fine, but if you know if you're swimming a lot, it's like cool. Maybe you need to spend more time in a pool session, learning mm-hmm. to roll and stuff like that, and not in a flood situation. Yeah. Okay. And you know we're we're nice about it and stuff. We would never say you can't come with us. It's just like guide them into like this is probably where you should work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most times we're just stoked to get people out and uh, and play. Yeah, I think that's for the most part from my experience, how most of the outdoor community is people just get excited for others to join outside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fun to, except for maybe surfing, but <laughs> yeah, surfing. So I was actually thinking when you mentioned weather depends on what activities you pursue. Uh, I do want to talk to some surfers because mm-hmm. obviously with the waves, like you can't surf if there's no waves and how yeah. do you prioritize and plan around that? So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to, to yeah. some surfers. We would take our short boats and play out in some waves and stuff like that. And we can catch waves a little further out. And same with stand-up paddleboard. Mm-hmm. You can surf on some subs. And uh, so, yeah, we'll go out and play in the waves as well. And not always the most warmest welcome from the surf community. But then even when I was surfing on a normal surfboard, I found kind of the same thing. Okay. People are, can be territorial and things like that. And not all surfers, but yeah, it's almost like a... Like a like an inside joke that surfers don't talk about where they surf and yeah. if you're show up at where they surf you better be a good surfer uh, or else they're going to be annoyed that you're there because mm-hmm. you if you take a spot on a wave and then you don't catch it and then that they're like i could have caught that wave now i'm gonna wait for the next one now it's a lost wave yeah. yeah yeah surfing's interesting because it's one of the few uh activities where there's finite resources yeah as in obviously there's finite rock climbs and that gets into a whole different ethics with bolting versus drag climbing yeah. and stuff. But the rock is there and it will, for the most part, forever be there. It's their rain or shine. Yeah, exactly. Whereas waves, they're there, they're not there. And yeah, so I definitely yeah. want to. And that's where I'm like, I'm, I almost forgive that mentality when the surfing community that like, yeah, I get it. Like you have very few hours in your day to come out and get these waves when they're in the right direction and stuff like that. And like, yeah, this is your peace and quiet time or this is your like break from the real world Mm -hmm. and uh you got some noob like me jumping on a wave (laughs) and uh ruining all your fun yeah sorry but just don't be a dick about it (laughs) yeah yeah oh don't be a dick about anything yeah Yeah. hopefully (laughs) for everyone for everyone (laughs) not just surfers yeah um so yeah we've talked a little bit about work a little bit of play do you find there any similar or similarities between your your 11 to seven job and your, your time outside, whether it's ultimate Frisbee or whitewater rafting or climbing. Similarities, how like, um, as if really anything. So it might not be as obvious as 
uh, well, in your case, it is pretty obvious, yeah. <laughs> just the gear and stuff. But, um, for example, when I was talking to, to I'll use Will's example cause I've used mine a couple of times, but it was like when Will gets a goal, he just throws himself at a hundred percent, whether yeah. it's climbing or transitioning from like, uh, registered nurse to nurse practitioner to clinical aesthetician working for himself. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to establish these goals to get to my ultimate goal. And then when he wants to climb 513, he trains and trains and goes to Craig and climbs it and works all these moves. And then at the end, he achieves his goal. So do you find any similarities between your, your work and your so recreation like, play? So like drive at work and drive in your recreation? Well, it doesn't have to be drive, but in Will's mm, case, it was. It was, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's a tough one because like at work, like um, it's a pretty... It can be a pretty chill situation. Like mm-hmm. I like some people get stressed out at work, um, dealing with certain members who are less than fun to play deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I think it's mostly because they take it personally. And I'm like, you can't take it personally. It's like they're just having a bad day, and they're just taking it out on you, and that sucks. But um, so other than that, I find the job is pretty pretty chill like you come in you get to talk to a bunch of your friends at work um swap stories about what you did on the weekend or what you did that night or the what activities you got Mm -hmm. planned for the next couple days little things like that that's what we mostly talk about and i guess when you go out and you if you're out paddling with friends or if you're climbing with friends or skiing like you're doing the same thing you're having these a lot of the same conversations you're just getting your heart rate up a bit more yeah yeah hopefully a lot more (laughs) (laughs) um Okay, yeah. And I guess... I don't know if that actually answers the question very well or not, but... I, uh, yeah. I never I never keep the answers. Half the time I just forget the question. Yeah. <laughs> I go on a tangent. Um, do you think you have a good work-life balance with, like, how closely your two... Or these two sides of your, of your life are? I think so. I'm trying to balance my life a bit more by not taking it home too much mm-hmm. um it's been a bit harder since so i took hard. on the this new intern position like um like checking my email more when i'm at home mm-hmm. responding to teams messages things like that like i'm like all right like, sometimes i'll be like it'll be midnight i'll just oh, i'll see what my email's doing oh yeah because yeah, your curiosity the, gets the well yeah and like half the people i'm communicating with are actually out in bc so they're four hour uh... time difference so a lot of them are just finishing work when I'm getting ready to go to bed. And yeah. so sometimes it's, you can, if you're waiting for an answer, you can get it before you go to bed and then you're not thinking about it at night. Okay. Yeah. If you're taking your job home and thinking about it. Yeah. But for the work-life balance, uh, I think so. Like I try and stay active. Uh, either I go to the gym after work or before work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I play sports. Uh, so that's also very social and, but still competitive. Like you burn, you know, I think my game last night, I burned like 750 calories in, <laughs> in an hour. So that's lots of sprinting and cutting and, yeah. but also lots of good laughs too. Mm-hmm. And then now that we're getting into the colder season and daylight less, now I'm just waiting for the snow to come. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> finish work, have my skis in the car at all times, like my cross country skis. So I can like literally rip out to McDonald parking, do a couple laps or uniac and uh ski out there for a little bit and like there's lots of things you can do still at nighttime like if i go home then i chill out and i don't really do much. yeah so half times i'm looking for stuff to do not before i go home yeah 
So I want to go play sports. I want to go climbing. I want to go to the gym. I want to go ski or go for a paddle. Mm-hmm. It is the going home that kind of, you just like, I keep bringing this up during this podcast, <laughs> but the flop, yep. it's just like you lay down and then all of a sudden half hour has gone by and then you're kind of lethargic and it's hard to get back out the door, whether it's a run or a climb or like you're saying. So yeah, if you can hit it on your way home and then mm-hmm. when you do get home, you can actually just let everything go. And Yeah. And you just, feel like you accomplished something and you're like, oh, I deserve to sit here and veg out for a little while. Yeah. Whereas if you get home from work, sure, I worked all day, but if it's sunny out, I'm like, why am I home? I should be, so I'll, maybe I'll go for a paddle on the lake or something like that and just take my paddle board, mm-hmm. do a quick rip around. Uh, what I try to do a couple of times this summer is like just take my kayak out to Lower Prospect and do like a big circumnavigated a couple of the big islands and catch a sunset. Like yeah. when I do stuff like that, I feel very accomplished and like, that's good. I got a good workout. I got to see some cool stuff. Got lots of, lots of sun, like mm-hmm. work on my tan, you know, like <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like when you're doing these things, it's like, I've had a realization recently uh, that when I go outside, it's always with a goal in mind. It's like, I'm going outside to climb this climb or to run 10 K or like mm-hmm. do this or do that. And uh, I was talking to somebody and they were, it just made me reflect on, I need to get outside more just for the sake of getting outside, which sounds like what you're doing. Just yeah. like, yeah. Getting outside get the for the sake of, yeah. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, or it sounds like they're all things you've done before. Like you've been to McDonald park and like, it is fun to mm-hmm. set goals and trying to achieve them and see new places but i personally i've gotten caught up in like the rat race of just doing things and just not relaxing even outside yeah that's the great thing is like if you can like summertime that's what i love about it like i can go for a long paddle and then i can land in an island have a campfire relax on the beach go for a swim do stuff like that and then paddle home after the sun's down and Mm. usually i'm paddling in areas where i am very familiar with the surroundings and i'm not going to get lost in the dark um, or there's a bright moon and you can see everything plain as day. Your eyes yeah. can adjust pretty well in the dark. Even if there is no moon, you can still see the land around you most times. Depending, well, not for everybody. I'm, I'm sure there's people <laughs> out there that have issues with that. I'm lucky that I don't right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's something else you mentioned a while ago that I wanted to, it's a good segue into another. Oh, when you said you were playing Frisbee last night, mm-hmm. it's good exercise with good laughs. Um, it's made me think that there's, obviously more to work-life balance than like work and play. What are some other uh, aspects of the work-life balance that you try and incorporate and balance things out with? Like just sort of probably like just something to decompress you. Like, like I think where I learned this best is um, for five years, I worked in a youth care home as well. So Mm -hmm. I worked with um, kids age six to 12 with uh, a lot of behavioral issues and things like that. And that was a very hard job. Those are like, could be 12 or eight hour shifts and you're working with kids that can snap on a dime and all of a sudden hate you and throw stuff at you and kick and spit and bite you, like all sorts of stuff. Or they can be super fun. You can take them out to the park and go for a run or go mountain biking. Leaving that work day, you need something to clear your head mm-hmm. and if you just go home watch tv have a drink do stuff like that it's just not a healthy way to recuperate and get ready for the next day and that was one of the things they asked me in my job interview like do you have hobbies and i was like yeah this 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 and i was like great and then afterwards they're like make sure you do those hobbies 
after a shift. Don't just go home. Don't even just drive the same same route, same route home. Yeah. Drive a different route. Change it up so you don't get on autopilot. Otherwise, you'll burn yourself out. And that really rung in hard with me. I was like, yeah, okay. Because it is a hard job. And I was doing it while I was working full-time at Mech. I would do one oh, or two days okay. in the group home. And sometimes it would be like a back shift. So I'll work 9 to 5 at Mech and then go work 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. at the group home. And then sometimes go home or I'd go back to Mech. <laughs> if I was dumb, I'd go back to Mech and work another day. <laughs> I wasn't smart back then. This is a while ago. I had a little more energy. Yeah. Well, I drank a lot of NOS energy drinks and stuff. So, <laughs> But that having that balance, those were unhealthy days because I was going work to work to work. Yeah. And not relaxing. And then I would get home and I had to just crash. I couldn't do anything to decompress and challenge my mind in different ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I didn't realize you were... Oh, first of all, you had that job, but also that you had that job while working at Mac. Yeah. Um, It was dumb. (laughs) Especially I probably could have worked just there um, if I wanted to. They're always looking for more hours and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I'm like, I can only do like one or two a week max. Yeah. Because I'm already working like my 37 and a half hours at Mac. Mac. And so were you working at Mac initially and then, Mm -hmm. okay, and then you reached out to this job. Yeah, I had a friend who... um, I've known him for years through paddling and things like that. And we were out surfing one day and he's like, I just got a new job. I'm like, Oh, tell me about it. And he explained what it was. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Like, you know, um, it was something giving back to the community because mm-hmm. you're working with these high risk youth and helping them have a more normal life after being dealt a super crappy deal in life, whether it's abandonment or sexual abuse or various things like that. This was a chance to give back to them but also getting to do fun things with them. So on the days where you could take them up and go out to the park and I would used to bring my mountain bike or my slack line mm-hmm. and things like that. And I'd be like, let's go. And I just like grab two kids and like, we're going to go do this and just go play. And, um, probably one of my most successful days was I had the, just one-on-one with this one kid and he was having a really rough day, but we started out, we went to the park and then went to the library and then we went to a pool. And by the time I got him home, at probably around five o'clock in the afternoon, he was falling asleep while eating his uh, supper, <laughs> and he actually put himself to sleep. He just like put the thing, I'm going to bed, please. And he's like, I think he was seven or eight at the time, and everybody's like, Oh, okay, yeah, you go for it. <laughs> Normally, he's a a challenge to get to go to bed, mm-hmm. but um, there was like just like give me like <laughs> subtle claps, thank you, Cliff, for tiring him out, <laughs> and that made me feel good about going full tilt and just like keeping them busy, keeping them active yeah. and tiring them out. So anyways, tangent. <laughs> I don't know. That was really interesting. Keep going if you have yeah. more. <laughs> well, there's lots of fun little stories like that. But um, when my friend told me about this, I was like, sick. How did you get into it? Because we both went to university for the same thing. Um, and it wasn't child and youth care. And he's like, oh, I'm just good with kids and tempered. And I'm like, cool here's my resume. And so he put the resume, um, in with the youth care home and they called me up like, Hey, yeah, heard you're, you're here for an interview. Let's talk. And one of the main things was like, they wanted to know why I'd be good with They're asking me like, what's your temperament? Like, um, are you prone to violence? <laughs> things like that. <laughs> um, because I didn't have a child, like any of the social work ish background yeah. in child and youth care. Um, I didn't have the psychology issue, like knowledge that a lot of these people going to that job have. Mm-hmm. 
and which definitely would have been a, a resource to have. <laughs> but um, they were short, so short-staffed because they went from a teenage girls' home and Department, Department of Community Services decided we need a home for this age group, not this age group. And so they closed the home and they, those girls went to different homes mm-hmm. and they created a home for kids age 6 to 12 with behavioral issues. And so all the former staff that used to work there were used to working with teenage girls and they'd have their spats and stuff like that. But most times it'd be like a bit of a scream fest and like, cool, let's make nachos, watch a show, chill out. Mm-hmm. And that's an easy way to regulate the, the girls that were there. Now they're bringing in 6 to 12-year-old boys and girls with crazy high energy and a lot of times they didn't really know what to do with them like ah this isn't the job i signed up for but now i'm here yeah they end up losing a bunch of the staff and so now they're like we need people that can keep up with the kids that's where my friend guy came in Mm -hmm. and he was like you'd be perfect too like great and they look at me and i'm for those of you who've never met me before i'm six foot seven and over 200 pounds and (laughs) i'm fairly fit guy and um you know they're like "Ooh, you look like you can take a punch okay cool (laughs) (laughs) so but i can also grab the kids and separate them if i have to Mm -hmm. but i can also go run with them and keep up with them and have fun with them yeah and so they brought me and was like cool you're a big dude that can take a punch and not get mad about it and go play with the kids and make sure they don't hurt themselves or hurt each other or hurt anybody in the community yeah and that's kind of how I got into it. And I only lasted five years because coming on the last little bit. You say only five years, but based off the schedule, like it yeah, seems. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of uh, time there. And I, but I got to see a lot of kids go through the system there, mm. age out and whatnot. And, um, I did get near the end. I was not having as much fun or I didn't feel like I was making as much of a difference. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole thing with me working at the group home was – Either you are making a difference or you're having fun. Uh, if you can do both, that's great. But at least if you have one of those, it makes it worthwhile. And so for a good six weeks, it was in the middle of summer, I was just like, I'm not having fun. And I don't feel like I'm reaching these kids. Or I was getting stuck with one kid in particular for the most part. Um, he was a larger kid. He was 11 years old and 170 pounds. Oh, that's basically that's, what I weigh. <laughs> it's a, it was a, he was a bigger individual. And so... They put me with him most times because I was one of the few people that worked there that Mm -hmm. could, I hate to say handle, but if he had like a freak out or got, became violent, certain of us were able to control him with, um, we use, um, nonviolent, um, restraints. Basically Mm -hmm. it's like holding them in a situation where they can still breathe, um, but they can't hurt themselves or hurt other people. And so I was one of the few, few people that was large enough and strong enough and comfortable doing it with uh, him mm-hmm. and so being stuck in that situation he sees me as an enforcer yeah instead of a buddy that he can go do fun things with so that kind of ruined our relationship that i was being brought in to take care of him if the other staff couldn't handle him mm-hmm. um yeah i didn't like that aspect of it and i was like you know what it was summertime I'm not enjoying my summer. I'm not getting out doing stuff. And I was losing that work-life balance. And so finally I was like, after that one shift, I was one of those shifts. I was like, I got to go. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. Sorry. And I found somebody to cover my next two shifts. And then that's my two weeks and good luck. And I'm still friends with a lot of them, actually, the people I work with. 
and I still see the kids around sometimes too, which is pretty fun, uh, around the city. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Um, were you able to, you mentioned using like the mountain bike and the slack line mm-hmm. and taking that one kid out. Is that something, did you kind of bring your hobbies to that job? Cause it seems like it was really beneficial for that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, have any of the kids kept up with it? Do you know? Um, I did take, um, like try and get them out climbing and stuff like that. Um, slack lining, they seem to really enjoy because it was something very new and sometimes they'd just be sitting on the, the slack line bouncing on yeah. it and that was fine too. And like, um, mountain biking, we had like a sort of a mishmash of bikes in there and there's a couple of them would take to it and a couple of them would like also bolt. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a frustrating thing. So like we'd be oh, able, on the bike, well on the bike or they would ditch the bike and then run away. Uh, like I said, these are kids with behavioral issues mm-hmm. and you know, certain things can trigger them. And sometimes it was me triggering them if I say the wrong thing because I, I didn't have the child news background. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm like yelling at them <laughs> or something like that, but it's like I could crack a joke with them and um, other kids take it as a joke and other ones take it seriously and mm-hmm. things like that. So we'd be biking and then all of a sudden they'd bolt and I'm like, well, I have two kids and two bikes, three bikes plus mine and a fourth bike that's sitting there and the kid's gone. I'm like, those little challenges like what do i do now do i try and get all the kids to come with me to find them mm-hmm. or call for support call the police if they go mia mm-hmm. anyways yeah i don't know if that kind of created challenges so if you like it was great in smaller groups like with one or two kids awesome but when they would sneak in a third kid with you sometimes that's when it became a little more challenging and to wrangle them all because you can't make every kid happy at all times. Yeah. But if it's one-on-one, you'd pick and choose the activities based on what they want to do. And usually you can keep them engaged and then they do really well, like, and just be encouraging and stuff. Yeah. Or play sports. Some of them like to play basketball or football and we'd go throw the ball around. Yeah. I did, I did teach one kid to climb trees, <laughs> which I'm not sure was a good idea, but he was six years old and, um, he was just having a bit of a meltdown and I'm like, Hey dude, let's go do something. Let's go. Do you want to go climb a tree? He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, Oh man, you haven't climbed a tree. <laughs> You're in for a treat. Let's go. And so I took him to like uh, a park where there's some like low trees and I like just, I just climbed up a tree. Like, do you want to come up and try this? He's like, no. I'm like, you sure? Okay. And <laughs> I just like lift him up and then he would start climbing and he was having a great time and he had like the best night uh, yeah. or day. Like, yeah. And then, um, but then a couple weeks later, I would show up to work and I'm like, hey, where's so-and-so? And they're like, they hop and they're like, he's up the tree throwing stuff at people. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> I taught him how to climb trees. <laughs> but it was because he was having a meltdown and uh... that's how he started to regulate himself. And I guess when people are trying to coax him down or if other kids were yelling at him or picking on him, he would get mad more and start throwing sticks down or branches. Okay. But yeah, so I don't know. It was a, I look at it as like a bit of a win and maybe not the best yeah. avenue. But like he's learned to self-regulate himself by climbing a tree and getting out in the world, woods. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people, I mean, obviously different scenario, but mm-hmm. do benefit from just going outside and yeah. being in it. Well, maybe you don't have to climb a tree, but no. just I know during the lockdowns, there'd be days where I'd be like, why am I so upset and just irritable? And I'd be like, I haven't been outside. Yeah, <laughs> and, I haven't had vitamin D today. <laughs> yeah, just go for a walk. And yeah, even if it's around the block, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it helps. 
Um, I want to circle back again. Yeah. Just another. Because we're all over. <laughs> um, to the interim department head position. You did mention there's a lot of like more back end work, mm-hmm. kind of office and reports and looking at a screen. How do you find your like mood and energy levels change from sitting in a chair behind a computer to being on the floor on your feet all day? Um, well, I definitely. I'm definitely starting to notice my age when I sit down. It's funny. Okay. When I sit down for like a couple hours and then all of a sudden I have to go on the floor to do something. When I stand up, like, oh, my knees hurt. Oh, my, my muscles are stiff. Oh, it's because I haven't been doing anything. Normally my daily routine is literally walking, walking around. around the store, carrying things, putting boats up, um, organizing things. So... My job is fairly physical when I'm on the floor, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden I go and I sit down for an hour or two at a time and just like sitting, maybe my ergonomics aren't proper or something like that. I'm just doing it in the interim, so I'm not going to like invest in anything yeah. for my workspace. But yeah, uh, that's one aspect. Um, I realize being in this position for as long as I have and being out of like, like back when I was in school, I could type super fast. Now that I haven't really typed more than like text messages yeah. and like occasional email or something like that, all of a sudden I'm like writing reports and like responding to people. I'm like, I am not as fast as a typer as I used to be. <laughs> like those skills I kind of lost over time. Uh-huh. Yeah. But being in an office, um, we have a great team back there, which is great too. So my other, the, the other department managers and the assistant manager and the manager, they're all great people. And so that environment is very nice and it's it's friendly it's welcoming you have a question they're like oh yeah just it's like this and you just find it here and do this mm-hmm. and I'm like sweet thank you so that's a nice environment it's not like a corporate cutthroat yeah <laughs> do this this and this like yeah i'm on a computer and i'm in a, a bit of a cubicle but it's a very nice open space with natural light and, mm-hmm. and great team people oriented and, yeah, yeah very yeah. team oriented like everybody's like what do you think about this and we should talk about how we're going to fix this or adjust this i'm like yeah let's do that Okay. And how do you find uh, a heavy day at the office, at the office, for lack of a, a better term, uh, impacts your after work activities? Yeah. Um, so if I have something scheduled like Frisbee or plans with uh, somebody to go climbing or to go for a paddle, that's the best. If I have plans, I will follow through. Mm-hmm. If it's my own, like, social time or solo time, like, okay. Uh, if I plan to go to the gym for a workout or plan to go for a solo climb or a solo paddle, if it's a really hard day, sometimes, yeah, I will flake on myself and not do what I mm-hmm. plan to do at the start of the day. I like, I have all the stuff with me. Okay. This is what I'm going to do when I'm done work. But sometimes, yeah, it's just, it's a long, hard day. It's hard to motivate yourself to do that. And that's why I try and make plans with people and like mm-hmm. have that happen. And, you know, fingers crossed they don't flake. <laughs> yeah. Which also happens too, which is fine. People, life happens. Life happens. Yeah, people I, are busy. I find it's more so since COVID too. I'm not sure if you've noticed that too, where I feel like with COVID people could say no because they're like, uh, no, I don't, I don't feel safe doing that, or no, I think there's too many people, or no, this, no that. People are comfortable saying no, and so now they're more comfortable saying no now when there's. Maybe less of a reason, but they're like, mm, I don't feel like doing That's it, so feeling. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it can be a little frustrating, but it's also, it's their own choice. It's their yeah. own prerogative. What can right? you do? Yeah, really? you can't force people to be friendly and social. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, be my friend can or else. You? Can, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, let's come up with something. Yeah. Um, back to flaking on yourself. Do you find it differs when you're working on the floor versus working uh, behind the computer? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Like I find if I'm on the floor, like I'm still moving and, yeah. and I'm still... I didn't want to... I keep that energy going. Yeah. But when you sit down... It's like a mini like, flop. It is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mini <laughs> flop is 100% what it is. Like I get to the back office and I sit down and I have like my water, my coffee, whatever I'm drinking. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, I gotta do work. And I'm like sitting there. And then my, like I said, your body, my muscle relaxes. It sits and it's like, it doesn't want to get back off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even that old. (laughs) We don't have to put a number on it. No, and we're not. (laughs) Um, I think I have one last question, which I've been, it wasn't on the original list. I don't know if it was when I sent you, but, um, when things get really busy and life gets hectic, what's the first aspect that kind of drops off for you? Ooh. If any, are you on top of everything all the time? <laughs> not on top of everything, not even close. Um, I would have to say my diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I try and not eat out uh, as much, but it is so freaking convenient. Yeah. And... I justify it a little too much. Like <laughs> if I go play Frisbee and I'm like, oh, sweet. I've burned like 700 calories. I hear myself some Mickey D's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can <laughs> definitely crush some Mickey D's because like, you know what? I I burned all those calories. So why can't I eat 2,000 calories? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I burned 500. <laughs> totally justified this like greasy food and stuff like that. Uh, but for me, it's like the convenience of literally because like by the time I get home, if I don't have the food I want to make when I'm home, then mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, and then I'm just eating scrambled eggs, which is fine. Yeah. But it's just, it's not creative. It's not fun. And, um, I'm not home. I try not to be home that often. So I don't have that much fresh food at home too. Uh. So I'm not going to have like fresh meats and fresh vegetables. Yeah. And, Cause if I do that, then it's probably going to spoil and go bad before I get a chance to actually cook it the way I yeah. want to cook it. And then if I throw it in the freezer, then it's in the freezer until I want to use it. And then it takes hours to defrost. Yeah. So, I have a habit of like mentally knowing what's in my kitchen or the pantry Mm -hmm. and be like, Hey, I should probably stop for food and I'm probably not going to stop at grocery store. Or if I do, I'll stop the grocery store and pick something that's ready to eat right now, but also groceries. And then those groceries will not necessarily get used because I'm not, I'm eating the quick food now or the convenient food instead of making a proper meal. And I love to cook, but it's just like, it's, I wouldn't say a chore, but it does take time. Yeah. 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 One thing I've been, because first thing that goes for me is also my diet. And like, I've been known to just like have two or three bagels for supper sometimes. Cause like, if I'm just like running home and like, I gotta go climbing, then it's just like whatever I can find. Right. Yeah. So I guess like bagels are my scrambled eggs. But at least you're eating at home. <laughs> Not at yeah. these or Wendy's and stuff like that. I have all the apps on my phone. It's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. It is convenience though. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for me, the well, bagels are like a dollar. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's pretty sick. I'd rather yeah. rather spend three dollars than than the seven or whatever. But uh, one thing I've been experimenting with lately is the the, the meal kits. Oh, like the HelloFresh. HelloFresh and, and stuff. And so somebody had given me a coupon. I tried it out, and it is it's really good value the first time because you have that coupon and stuff, mm. and it slowly decreases. But like for me, there's more than just the va- the dollar value. So. For example, this week I was falling behind on my podcast episodes. I was like, I'm dedicating this week to podcasts, but I know my diet is going to suffer. So I'm going to, uh, not compromise, but kind of like splurge, splurge and get a meal kit so that then 
my die doesn't have to suffer as much. Um, but what does suffer is like uh, the wallet, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always something like a give and take. But uh, they've been really interesting so far. And the one downside is obviously like the, the single-use plastic waste. So much waste. Which I feel guilty about. But it would be interesting. I'm interested to see the pros and cons versus the single-use plastic versus the exact portions you need and no mm-hmm. food going bad. Because if you have to buy like cilantro, you have to buy a whole, basically a whole plant. A plant of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's like the little oils and the little vinegars, like the tiny little bottles. I'm like, mm. I don't know why they don't do like, sure, start out with like the individual kits and then, okay, you're going to be doing this on a more regular basis. Order this pantry kit or something. A pantry kit, exactly. So you have uh. a bottle of oil, a bottle of vinegar, a bottle of rice wine, whatever things are kind of within that wheelhouse of what your meals typically are. Yeah. And then there's much less waste. And then you can get like two different options. The ones that are um, like everything you need in that package or the ones that's like the big things are there and then you've got your condiments yeah. and your that's a good idea yeah yeah so i know my partner liz has been doing the hello fresh here and there as well when uh, when she became vegetarian because she's like i gotta figure out how to cook vegetarian so she would get a bunch of the vegetarian dishes yeah and you get the, uh, the recipes and you can yeah. keep them and you got the re- them. she's got like a whole stack of the cards and stuff like that and she still makes remakes some of them and stuff like that yeah um yeah, but yeah, they're great. But yeah, that was one of the things. And the the ice packs. Yeah. With like, I know there was like a like a gel type pack for a while, but then okay. they switched it to it's just water, just water yeah. now, which is great. So you actually cut out and drain the water, and you recycle the plastic, and much better. Yeah. But yeah, the other ones like a weird gelatin. And you can thing. only use so many ice packs before yeah. you. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have so many. Okay, you know, like, okay, we need to start purging these or yeah. giving them as gifts or something like that. <laughs> Christmas gift. There you go, mom. Get an ice pack. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. yeah. But no, so yeah, I, the thing, the problem for me is again, um, working a full day and then trying to find those activities before or after work. I'm gone for 10, 12, 14 hours a day mm-hmm. and then so I don't necessarily, I'm not around to eat the meals or cook the meals and stuff like that. And that's where I like that convenience of like grabbing stuff on the go. Um, but I guess I could cook it and then put it in the fridge and then heat it the next day for lunch and those sort of things. That meal prep would be a smart thing to do. I'm just being lazy. <laughs> um, one last thing, mm-hmm. just where you mentioned your partner Liz is vegetarian and you're away like 10, 12, 14 hours. Uh do you guys do meals together or how do you manage that dynamic? It's funny, like before she became a vegetarian, I cooked most of the meals at her house. Um, and then she's decided for environmental reasons, she wanted to go vegetarian. And I was like, cool. Okay. <laughs> I'm not ready to do that yet. Um, I like my meat. Uh, not that I eat that much. Like I'm not like, I don't have like multi-packs of steaks and chicken unless I'm doing a large meal prep mm-hmm. for the week. Um, but yeah, like going full veggie is not something really on my, like in my wheelhouse or in what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of start doing our separate meals and she's also a nurse working weird hours. So a lot of times we're at home at the same time anyways to eat our meals together. Mm-hmm. Um, but occasionally we are and we try and cook a meal together or uh, she'll finish something and be like, do you want to try some? And I'll try some of her meal and I'll offer her bacon and she'll, scowl at me because she really wants to but she won't uh so little things like that okay but yeah no no we don't cook meals together very often unless it's like a special occasion or yeah or breakfast we do breakfast together sometimes because um that's easy to do because she'll do eggs still Mm -hmm. 
so i said that was the last question but it's okay bring it on uh, yeah yeah. snowballs um mentioning the different schedules how do you guys balance that with like your own individual hobbies your own jobs Mm -hmm. and then also kind of just enjoying each other's time and spending it together when you're on different schedules yeah we also still have like very it was kind of funny when we first started dating she was very much into ultimate frisbee and that's how we met okay and then um and i was i so i climbed a lot and i still played some ultimate as well but she was interested in climbing and so she started climbing more when i started we started dating and i started playing more frisbee almost did a little a little friend switch (laughs) she's like oh i was talking to this person and i'm like oh yeah i know so and so and i'm like oh yeah i played against so and so oh yeah i like playing against them it's like we have we changed spots a little bit so we weren't hanging out with each other that much, but like we all knew the same community. Mm-hmm. And I'd climb with her once in a while, and she'd jump in a game once in a while for frisbee. Um, but yeah, no, we our schedules don't always line up. Um, she did switch down to part time, so she works two days and then seven days off, which is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable how much free time, but she fills it up with volunteer work and um, family time and other mm-hmm. things like that. So she stays very busy with that. Um, and then gym and climbing and mm-hmm. all the same activities. So we still try and get out. Like we have the same day off. We'll try and schedule a paddle together or uh, an evening, same thing. Like, like, Hey, we're both off. We share a calendar of course on Google. Yeah. So it's easy to see when we're both available and we'll be like, Hey, couldn't do this. Do you want to come? Cool. Um, but yeah, it does take a little bit of like ahead time thinking to do that because she was so busy with volunteer work with, uh, Frisbee and, climbing and all that stuff yeah we just didn't line up all the time mm-hmm. but we made it work and we usually like have our evenings together and stuff like that but during the daytime we usually have our own stuff on the yeah go. yeah fair cool yeah but yeah just we had we have very much our different friends and our different activities which um, i think is important yeah so important it's great um but then we do have those moments like oh we should go camping here we should do it to this and and then trying to make that stuff work that's when it gets uh, challenging work with <laughs> random schedules and shift work. Yeah. We're not nine to fives. So if we're nine to fives, it might be a little bit easier to do stuff like in the weekend. But yeah, but then you might run into troubles of like doing your own things on your weekends. And yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you guys have figured out though. Yeah. yeah. But also, if you're trying to do stuff just on the weekend, that's when everybody else is doing stuff. And yeah. You, can, you know, that's when the climbing craig's the busiest and that's they, when the rivers are busiest. And yeah. you don't always get the, the space you want. That's a good point. So, yeah. Do you have weekends off or you have like a Sunday, Monday? Right now it's pretty sweet. I have Friday, Saturdays off. Okay. Yeah. And so um, that's great. And usually my Thursday is like, I'm usually done around five on Thursdays. So Thursday is my nine to five day. Mm-hmm. And that was because work gave it to me so I could play Frisbee Thursday nights <laughs> during the summer. That's all done. So now I'm off at five. I can go, I could technically go on a camping trip. Yeah. And like leave work at five, have everything ready to go, packed up and ready to go. And then just go straight to where you want to go camping. And then you have Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday you're back to work. Or Sunday you're back Sunday, to work. Sunday, yeah. yeah. So so little things of that, sometimes that works out. Um, except for when there's a hurricane coming through. And uh, <laughs> your plans all get squashed. Yeah, I well, think every, everyone's plans got squashed. Everybody's, yeah. yeah. Except yeah. for the surfers, they're pumped. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. Lots of swell. Um, cool. So yeah, we touched on a lot. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to mention? I'm sure we could talk for another hour. Yeah, we could. I'm sure. Yeah, we could swap stories for hours for sure. Uh, whether or not people want to listen to my stories is a different story. <laughs> but no, I don't think so. I think the yeah, this was fun. Cool. Yeah, I'm 
can't wait to see how it sounds. Yeah, yeah me neither. I'm going to hate my voice. I hate the way my voice sounds, though. Well, if you just listen to a bunch of times, yeah. I get over it. That's yeah. what I've realized with listening to every episode. <laughs> but you've got <laughs> just... a great radio voice. I, Do uh, I? Uh, I feel like my voice has like a weird ping. I don't know. Every time I hear my voice on a record, I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah, well, you just got to start a podcast. And you'll I get guess over so. It. <laughs> <laughs> then I can work on my podcast voice. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, yeah, thanks for coming by, Cliff, and chatting. And yeah, that was a really really interesting conversation thanks buddy cool. yeah really appreciate it we hope you all had a great long weekend and were able to get outside to burn off some of that thanksgiving turkey we want to give a shout out to Lindsay Keo, our guest on episode 7 who just ran the valley harvest marathon this past weekend this recording actually happened on friday so we really hope we didn't just jinx her race Tune in next week to hear from another runner, Emily McKay, and her experience running the Shignecto Ultra, a 51-kilometer race with just over 2,000 meters of elevation gain. As always, if you'd like to make an appearance, don't hesitate to get in touch as we'd love to have you on.